Happy Tuesday, everyone. It's uh, Julie Townsend here with Downtown Dish. Thanks for joining us on this lovely Tuesday evening. Uh, Wanted to give you some updates on upcoming events, as I usually do before we get into the meat of the program. Uh, So August 20th and 21st, uh, is Fine Art at the Magnolia, and we heard from Betsy Bohr last week at, on the show who was telling us all about that event. If you want to learn more about that event, uh, you can go to theborgallery.com, and then also you can go back to wlkf.com and listen to the, the show that Betsy and I were discussing this fine event. So um, that would have been from, from last week's show. Of course, it is summer, which means there are fewer sh- uh, fewer events happening just because it's so darn hot. But we do have a first Friday coming up. Uh, first Friday in September is always our dog days of summer. So we're going to have John Canine out there with some doggy demonstrations. And you can take your doggy through the agility uh, agility test that we've got set up in Mun Park. So that'll be fun. So you want to see if your dog can go jump through hoops and under tunnels and all of that. Um, it's always a good time because mostly the the adults do it with the dogs, so it's pretty funny. Um, so you don't want to miss that. And then, of course, we've got uh, the grand reopening of the farmer's market. We're going into 18 years of the farmer's market. And uh, so the grand reopening will be... Um, Saturday the 2nd, 3rd, Saturday the 3rd, sorry, Saturday the 3rd, uh, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. in downtown, five wonderful city blocks of vendors filled with all kinds of goodies and produce and crafts and art and all kinds of stuff. And um, so you don't want to miss that. So definitely mark your calendars for those. And speaking of great events and exhibitions and lecture series and all those fun things. Uh, today, my guest is Alec, Alex Rich. He is the executive director and chief curator of the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. Welcome, Alex. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. I appreciate it. So I um, live just a stone's throw from the Polk Museum of Art and have certainly um, enjoyed the exhibitions over the years. I I will admit that I don't get down there as often as I should. I'm going to try to f- remedy that uh, because now I have you staring at me and I feel guilty. Yes, yes. You, you should be there every, <laughs> every day. Come to the museum for a it's, few minutes. I mean, I can literally walk there. I can literally <laughs> walk there every single day. But um, I know that you've been with uh, Florida Southern College for a long time. So just kind of, but not necessarily in this role for as long as you've been with with the college or even the museum. So tell us about your background and how you made it to this point. Sure, yeah. Um, so actually, I just celebrated my eighth year in Lakeland um, just this month. So I moved down from New York City in 2014 to join the faculty of Florida Southern. And um, I was uh, to be head of the art history program as part of the art and art history department at Florida Southern. And I was head of the college gallery at that point. Um, and that was great. That's why I came here for a, a job and yeah. a career, and it was wonderful. <laughs> and then about two years later, we started having a conversation at the college um, and with the local museum, the Polk Museum of Art, about creating an affiliation between the two organizations. And we thought it would be mutually beneficial, both for the community as well as for the university and academic populations around Lakeland and the area and you know the complete region. And my jaw dropped when I heard about this concept mm-hmm. of this affiliation because I'm like, wow, I just came from New York City where I used to – 
easily take my students to the Metropolitan Museum of Art or the Museum of Modern Art. And I moved here, and while you know, Lakeland is culturally rich in its own ways, <laughs> this was not New York City, and it was Correct. not you know it wasn't that easy to have this integration of a museum into the art history program. So I was thrilled by the idea. Uh, long story short with that, by June of 2017, the affiliation agreement goes through, and the Polk Museum of Art, which has been around for decades and decades. In fact, you know the, the museum mm-hmm. itself was founded in 1966 by the Junior League of Women. So we had decades and decades of a history of the museum, but in June of 2017, we became the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. So I kept all of my faculty duties, actually, at Florida <laughs> Southern, and I became the curator of the museum okay. in 2017. And at the same time, actually, we started to spin off my department at Florida Southern, which is really exciting. So um, we used, you know, I was hired for the art and art history department. We decided that now with the museum as part of the college experience, and mm-hmm. as we were enhancing all of our offerings, as we'll talk about our exhibitions and our programs at the museum, it also gave our student body this really wonderful opportunity to learn about the field and the profession, not just art and museums, but also the nonprofit field, since we are a nonprofit right. business. And so we actually spun off our own department called the Department of Art History and Museum Studies, of which I'm the chair, and it's housed at the museum. So it's really neat that we have that department at the museum. And then in June of 2019, I moved from the curator role to the executive director and chief curator curator role of the museum. So five years at the museum, three years as executive director. But really, we just celebrate our five years of Mm -hmm. affiliation that seems to have flown by. But um, we really wanted to build upon the legacy of the museum and the community that built it, but really elevate and, as I usually use the phrase, intellectualize everything we Mm -hmm. do. Because I firmly believe that people are coming to the museum for an educational experience. Yes, we'll make it fun. We'll make it entertaining. We'll make it um, somehow elevating of what you hope to gain from going to a museum. But also, um, I'm unapologetic about the idea that I run the museum through the lens of being a professor. I am a professor through and through, <laughs> and I think that our whole team, our wonderful staff at the museum, knows that this is really my motivation behind mm-hmm. the way that I'm directing the museum, but also behind everything we do. We want everyone to have this really terrific experience and come away from that time at the museum and be like, wow, that is an unusual museum. Mm-hmm. It is an outstanding museum, and I learned something wonderful on this visit. And I think that that's if we have succeeded, we've done that, where somebody walks through our doors, maybe you know, skeptical of the right. experience and being like, Oh my gosh, what is this museum doing here in Lakeland? That's what I really hope. And when right. I hear that feedback, you know, I just actually <laughs> heard that at the front desk. I was coming in from a lunch meeting and I came in and somebody said, People came out of your exhibition. I know we'll talk about mm-hmm. it and said, Wow, I had no idea this museum was here. Right. What is it doing here? Right. right. And that's I love that because our team it puts in such great effort, and we have such experts in each of their fields that we really do want to put on a really good show with yeah. all the shows and the programs we do. So five yeah. years. It's been great. Five years at the museum, eight years in Lakeland. That is – that's quite – a good story. Yeah. So you yeah. don't are you no longer a professor then? You've oh, I'm given still a full, no, I'm still a full time professor too. Okay. Oh, so yes, I, I'm yes. So, so three jobs. Yes, yes. Um, no, I, I mean the wonderful thing about it is that I literally, I personally get to do all three things I've always dreamed of doing. I'm still mm. I'm a I'm a professor, mm-hmm. I'm a curator, and I'm a museum director. I mean I couldn't cobble together. I mean my parents probably could have said this from the time I was a teenager. Like if these are the three things that we, we dream Alex would be, it would be. And I moving down to Florida, I never ever thought that I'd become a museum director as a result of moving down here. I worked in museums in New York City, Mm -hmm. but I thought when I went the professor route that this was, you know, now in the past, this was not my intention for moving down here. And I luckily, I got to have this amazing job and work with this amazing crew at the museum and really hope to, you know, foster a new generation of you know, museum professionals, but also to you know, look toward the future of this institution and yeah. you know, make it even greater and greater as we look toward the future. Yeah, well, I, I definitely want to talk about how maybe the affiliation with Florida Southern, Florida Southern changed uh, the museum experience, if it has, and just maybe just the strengths that it brought. 
Um, and then, you know, what is the difference between curator and executive director? I'd love to know. I mean, I'm sure one's, you know, business and the other's more the 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 go out and get the art stuff. But I don't know a lot about that. I bet a lot of people don't really know a lot about that. So I want to uh, pick your brain on how you how it is you do your job when we sure. return. And we are back. And today is my guest, Alex Rich, executive director and chief curator of the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. Welcome back, Alex. Thank you, Julie. So this is Downtown Dish. If you're just joining us, we are every Tuesday at five o'clock to talk about mostly downtown stuff. But sometimes we we deviate off the path and talk about citywide things or countywide things, but certainly um, this is kind of all of those things because Polk Museum of Art is really the art museum for the whole county, right? Truly, yes. And I mean, and we are we are a Polk County institution. I mean, Correct. I, I, I mean, if, if I ever have to make an argument about the point of the museum, I imagine, imagine if the museum were not here. Mm-hmm. We are, I, I mean, I, I know I'm biased, but I believe we're the anchor <laughs> cultural institution of the, of the region. I mean, we draw people here, but also we elevate the experiences of what a museum should be. And I think we are aspiring toward becoming a true leading you know, national academic museum. We're we're responsible for our community. We're going to be right. a community museum, but we're also going to be an academic community museum, which makes this really unusual because many academic museums start out as attached to a school and then they right. cater to a community audience. We are we are building on a long legacy of being a community museum first, right. and then enhancing it in terms of being an academic museum, which for us means that we respect the history of the museum. It has been a wonderful place, and it has supported artists from all different areas and all different backgrounds. And basically what we've done since the affiliation is try to have the opportunity to bring in larger name exhibitions or larger exhibitions from other institutions that helps to draw people through the doors. Right. And so one of the realities is, you know, it is a business. And for a museum to survive, you actually have to have audiences. <laughs> um, and while we're a free admission museum, and we pride ourselves mm-hmm. on being a free admission museum. So we do not charge at the front desk. And we really want to hold on to that, which makes for the reason why our members are so important, because they help to underwrite what would otherwise be the cost of admission. Right. Our strategic partners help to underwrite the cost of admission. You know, making shop, you know, if you go to mm-hmm. our shop and you buy things from our wonderful shop, you're helping right. to make sure that people can enjoy your museum for free. But at the same time, we need people to come. What right. is a museum without its visitors? And so we know that if somebody's going to get in a car from Sarasota or somebody's going to get in a car from across Lakeland to come to the museum, we need to have something that draws them in. So a lot of what we did with the affiliation was bring in larger name exhibitions, which gets people through the doors, importantly, and have seen an amazing exhibition like our Rodin exhibition that we have up now, but then also along the way discover other artists or mm-hmm. other cultures or other types of art that maybe they've never seen before. But to get them through the door, these major exhibitions are really big deal for us and they're also what great museums do so we have this really wonderful balance between um really you know top tier you know headline making exhibitions and then smaller scale exhibitions um even our student gallery Mm -hmm. which is almost unheard of in any museum whatsoever we have a dedicated student gallery at the museum that we rotate nine different exhibitions in partnership with the polk county school district every single year so literally across from master artists on one side of the hall right. are student artists from K through 12 on the other side of the hall. And we give them that full degree of respect as well. Right. And so we really do, do, I think we do a wonderful job in terms of showcasing all different types of art and also respecting the artists who create the art. So the affiliation with Florida Southern, you say, um, affords you the ability to get these larger exhibitions. Why, why is that? Why would it not have been able to do that prior I think there it's a, it's a really good question. So one is the exhibitions, but also it's kind of the you know the 
as I said earlier, like the intellectualizing of everything we do. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um, and again, I'm a professor leading the museum. This goes to another question of what a director of a museum does. But I think one is, you know, budgetary, of mm-hmm. course. Um, so with a slightly larger budget and with um, affiliate support, we're able to get larger right. exhibitions or pull together exhibitions. So just so you know, so go to your other question. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll weave this in. Right. You know, the director of a museum is the person who's in charge of basically everything runs business. the nonprofit yeah. side, yeah. right? So the business side of it, but also, you know, I'm the artistic vision of the mm-hmm. museum. Um, nothing that goes out from the museum doesn't pass from Through my vision, oversight. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, you know, I'm in on the programming meetings and, you know, in terms of the budgeting and I, you know, meet with our you know, marketing manager <laughs> and, you know, and we're a small museum. So um, I, my hand is in all pots, but, you know, of right. course we have an expert team who's in charge of their own areas. So I, I'm the oversight of the, I'm, I'm the CEO of a nonprofit business, but at right. the same time as the curator, I'm the one who's responsible for the artistic program of the art on display. So coming up with concepts for exhibitions or securing exhibitions mm. or the care of, you know, the overall care of the collection. Of course, we have a collections manager and registrar, the people who are physically working with the objects, but that's my responsibility mm-hmm. as the curator then is the content, the objects mm-hmm. in the institution itself. So what's so much fun is with exhibitions, we have all different varieties of exhibitions. And this is one great thing about being a curator is that, you know, you can get a show from elsewhere. There are traveling exhibitions and we do many of those. Mm-hmm. I love when we have a traveling exhibition where I'm able to actually add my own text because, again, where I'm able to make it my own exhibition in some mm-hmm. way. It's really, really important. And I know that some of our clientele who come to the museum, they can recognize my the way I speak is the way I write. So you can see my text <laughs> on the wall. I've learned that. Gotcha. Um, you're like, yeah, so we, we see Alex Alex's voice, right. voice there. And I like having that opportunity. And I've built that relationship, I think, through the curating um, over the last five years right. at the museum. So people have gotten used to that. That's really fun to have traveling exhibitions and work with art that we don't have in our collection. Our collection is 3,400 objects, mm-hmm. which is a nice number. Um, but again, we don't have all all of the great masterworks of the world. So we right. have those opportunities. But also we curate exhibitions right out of our own collection as well. So thematic mm. exhibitions. You know, we did a few years ago, we did a show called Flashback Female, which featured artwork of the female artists in our collection from the 80s and 90s. Mm. Something like that was really fun. Mm-hmm. And so we can pull those out of what we have is this vast collection that keeps growing and growing. And then other types of shows are loan-based shows where we can come up with our own theme, mm-hmm. but then we go to many different institutions and we request works to flesh out those shows. So it's it's a really wonderful profession because it's basically coming up with a book and mm-hmm. then making it a visual book. You put it up on the walls and you write the text for it. And so, you know, for me on my professor side, that's my scholarly work. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I love being like, well, you know, as opposed to just writing this article, I get to present it to thousands and thousands and thousands of people right. in the galleries. And so working in concert with our whole team, you know, ex- the curator can come up with the, the concept, but then we have a preparator who you know, actually thinks about about how the design of the show will look, you know, what the wall colors are, where the works will be hung. We have our collections manager again who deals with the objects. We have an exhibitions manager who helps with all the logistics, the insurance, the mm. shipping, and the stuff that's not the sexiest <laughs> stuff, but yeah, stuff that's logical. Has to be done. And most of the stuff is about three to three and a half years in advance for planning exhibitions oh, wow. usually. And then we have our marketing team, and then mm-hmm. we have to talk about membership, and then we have to talk about how do we actually pay for this. So, right. you know, every single person in our museum um, and we do not have a very large staff. So it's pretty amazing. If you come to our museum, you'll think we have a 30-something person staff. Mm-hmm. We do not. Cut that in half is about the size of our staff. So everybody contributes to every little aspect of everything we do. Exhibitions are a huge part of it. It's our most front-facing and mm-hmm. most obvious part of our operation. Right. But again, that is all you know, piggybacking on our education programs and on our you know, after-school programs and our evening programs and our docent tours and our shop sales. So everything is scaffolded upon everything else. Um, but exhibitions are obviously, you know, the heart of what a museum 
does. So right. it's um again, it's a fascinating career. And with my students in my program, not every student wants to be a curator. Right. But many of them have that interest. So they want mm-hmm. to get their hands wet in how do you create exhibitions? How right. do you formulate the concepts behind them? How do you write text for them? But also many students are really interested in other sides of it. You have, we have communication students who want mm-hmm. to know how do you market a museum? We have you know business students. I have interns who who are not working under me as the curator, who are interested in the executive director side. They want to know, well, how do you oversee everything? Mm -hmm. So it's really, really fascinating to give students from Florida Southern and from elsewhere Mm -hmm. this opportunity. And then hopefully more and more will foster this in the younger students as well. I mean, oftentimes we're trying to, you know, have middle school students start to gain insight into this field. And, you know, anybody who works in a nonprofit knows it's a somewhat harder sell to say, yes, work for a nonprofit, but there's something so valuable in Mm -hmm. it. And it is a business. Um, Our business just happens to cater in art, but um, ironically, I would say I'm I'm the only art historian who works at the Polk Museum of Art. (laughs) I mean, that's just, it just is the case. That's that's where my, you know, that's where my studies took me and I oversee oversee the museum through that lens, but everyone else is working in art museum and they're interested in art and invested in art and many of them are artists themselves, but it's a business in the end, Um, a very, you know, specific business, but we, we love what we represent, and we you know, we love all the experts who work for us as a result of their expertise for making it be so outstanding when people come through our doors. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you don't realize all the things that are going on behind the scenes, I mean, I certainly don't think about those things yeah. when I'm walking through, and it's just this beautiful, peaceful place to, you know, take all of this in, and you don't realize all of the hard work that goes behind every single exhibition and getting it. And I had no idea you were three years out. Yeah, it, it Those, is, That's crazy. It's an intensive <laughs> process. And, and, you know, and one thing I've realized as well is, you know, I think in a way um, I always associate this with, you know, many people dream of being an astronaut, but I also think, and I, I never wanted to be an astronaut. No, like keep me, yeah, me grounded. Either. I'm cool. Um, but I always think that people are also fascinated by how museums work. Mm-hmm. I mean, take somebody to a natural history museum or an oh, art yeah. museum. I think everyone wonders, wow, how did that happen? And for a long time, from throughout most of the history of museums, it's always been hidden behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, if somebody knocked over a sculpture or there was a tear with it, they would whisk it away, <laughs> and then one day it would return. Museums, and we among them, have realized that revealing what we do behind the scenes is really, really fascinating. If we open up our collection doors and we take people behind the scenes, mm-hmm. they are like, wow, that's where we keep all of our two-dimensional works and our three-dimensional mm-hmm. works. And they're the vitrines that hold the sculptures. And people love to know what's behind the doors. And we right. like revealing it. And we realized that through the pandemic as well. When we started doing our virtual programming mm-hmm. outside the museum. We started to reveal a little bit more about our processes. Yeah. And I think people are fascinated with it. And, that, and for me, it's a good way to sell my program as well. Our art History Museum Studies students, our population is growing and growing because also we're able to show them there is, it doesn't just happen with yeah, a snap of the fingers. To do. There's a yeah. lot to do there. It's a lot of work years and years and years out. In a better, you know, in a more ideal world, we would be you know, planning every program years out. We are not quite doing that. I think yeah. our staff would say, yeah, well, sometimes we're under the gun. Yeah. But for exhibitions, it's a really long way out in an ideal world. COVID threw everything off, mm. of course. So we had to cancel yeah. exhibitions and shift them. But it is a fascinating world to work in. And I think that many people may not have realized it, but I think everyone's been fascinated by museums. And everyone goes to museums wherever they go, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. you go to any vacation locale, any site in the world, what's the thing that everyone looks up to do? Right. A museum. So it is this wonderful field that I think people overlook and they think, oh, it's this. It, it's just very kind of arcane. And it's mm-hmm. this very niche area. It's not niche. Everybody goes to museums and everyone enjoys museums. Everyone knows to visit them wherever they go. And we're the keepers of history, right. too. I mean, we have a real responsibility. I think it's, it's a really powerful and important career path. And the museum itself, as we're trying to develop here, as we you know, as we grow the museum, literally expand the museum, right. we are um, seeking a future where we're going to be one of these top-tier academic and community museums anywhere. 
I believe it. You convinced me. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about not just we talked about exhibitions, but let's talk about events, lecture series, and the expansion. So we're more with Alex when we return. Sounds great. And we're back. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. And with me today is Alex Rich, Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. I like to have the yeah. emphasis on the at. Absolutely. And Florida, <laughs> and Florida Southern appreciates yeah. it, too. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> so we were talking about... Um, just all the work that goes into exhibitions um, prior to the break. But I wanted to ask you uh, about the exhibition that just ended before you talk about the one that's there now, because I think it's something that uh, many Floridians would recognize, which is the Highwaymen. Yes. So what's, I mean, it was a true blockbuster exhibition Mm -hmm. for us. And it was called The Art of the Highwaymen from the Woodsby Family Collection. Um, it featured 70 works from a collection of nearly 270 from the Woodsby family's private collection wow, of yeah. art. So these works have never been seen outside of their family homes or the restaurants from which they bought right. the work. Exactly. And, you know, it was a revelation for us. Um, and I can tell you, audienceship was second only to our Degas show of 2018. Wow. So there's Edgar Degas, right? Yeah. And then you got the Florida Highwaymen. So it was a total revelation for me. Um, I think many people expected it was going to be a big hit. But, you know, for us, it was an opportunity to certainly showcase artists that are not showcased on the academic or museum level often enough. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for anyone who may not know about the Highwaymen, they were a group of pioneering African-American artists who truly plied their trade in the 50s and through the 50s from the 50s through the 70s, selling landscape art cheaply out of the trunks of their cars. <laughs> and many people have them in their own homes. You can see yeah. them in you know, gas stations. You can see them in restaurants. Hotel and so, rooms and things, yeah. And the idea of having that showcase in a museum is really special because they were never meant as museum objects right. at all. And so what we did for the exhibition, which I hope made it um, added to the appeal and made it certainly an original take on the Highwaymen is that we explore the idea of why the Highwaymen are so celebrated here in Florida Mm -hmm. such that, you know, when I announced that exhibition in our December holiday exhibition, it was whooping applause. I (laughs) I didn't know what world I was in. Because again, I'm a New Yorker. Um, I'm a New Yorker transplanted to Polk County, Florida. And I was like, this is wild. And then the the framing of the exhibition really was that question. Why do I, you know, know, I'm putting this in air quotes for those who obviously can't see on the radio, as an elitist PhD from New York City, I never learned about the highwaymen in textbooks, never heard of them until I came to Florida. When I came to Florida and everyone started talking about the highwaymen, I honestly had to pretend. I'm like, oh yeah, the highwaymen. <laughs> I'm like, why don't I know about them? Why didn't mm-hmm. I learn about them? And that was the question mark I tried to put over that exhibition. Why is it that you can have rapturous applause mm-hmm. and like gleaming smiles from Floridians about the highwaymen, and yet they are not, they're not in the textbooks? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jim Crow era, deep South Florida, Artists who should have been given no time of day, despite all, you know, mm-hmm. in, you know in, in in addition to all the struggles they're facing otherwise. Right. Yet here they are celebrated so much, and I really wanted us to explore that in the shape of in in the shape of the exhibition, the scope. It. How do we look back at the Highwaymen through the lens of 2022? Mm-hmm. But also within the realm of art history, they're landscape painters. We can think about the Impressionists. We can mm-hmm. think about Hudson River artists. 
We know about them yeah. universally. We don't know about the Hayumen. Is it because they were Florida-based? Is it because they were black? And I loved right. having these conversations with visitors. So it was a really special exhibition. Amazingly, I went in being like, I don't know what I'm ever going to do. I'm never <laughs> going to be able to give a tour of this exhibition. I have to say, um, in my five years at the museum, those are my favorite tours that I've given so far because the conversations were mm. so great. It wasn't about the landscapes. It was about the people who made the right. works and how important it was to have that conversation. And that's really what we try to do at the museum is, you know, have an exhibition like that of the highwaymen, right? Black artists of the middle of the 20th century, mm -hmm. real social issues there, political conversation. Now, it was not, no, it was not political on one side or the right. other, but we talked about kind of the politics of the period. Right. And we have that in one second, and I said it's going to be a whiplash when we had our next exhibition. Six weeks later, we have up the art of Auguste Rodin, the greatest sculptor since... You know, Michelangelo. Yeah. And those are in the exact same spaces. Um, <laughs> our preparator, Matt Belcher, transforms our exhibition spaces. You would never know you're walking to the same mm -hmm. gallery that we had the highwaymen in, you know, from March through May. Now from from now through end of October, it looks like a completely different space. But Rodin and the highwaymen, you couldn't be on more opposite sides of the art <laughs> historical yeah. spectrum. But that's what we do in an mm -hmm. academic community museum. We're giving everybody a little something and a way to appreciate art from all all different areas of the world and of all different types. And I think that's really important. So now we have Rodan up, which is you know following alongside one of our highest attended ever shows, and this Rodan will certainly be in that same mm -hmm. pot, but Rodan is 45 bronze sculptures. It's the largest ever sculpture exhibition in the history of the museum. And here we are in our 56th year. So wow. this is a big moment for us. People are coming through the doors in droves again. Um, it's really nice to have these two exhibitions back to back. It makes it really hard to live up to these expectations. <laughs> uh, but we are also showcasing why our museum is so special and why we're bringing these exhibitions as part of that affiliation, right? This was our intent. Mm -hmm. These are opportunities for our community and beyond to see work they might not otherwise see. I've had so many people coming through this exhibition to, saying to me, oh, well, I've been to the Musée Rodin in Paris and I can't believe these are here, here now. Yeah. Whereas many others have only you know heard of the thinker or seen photographs of the thinker right. and they know Rodin, but then they walk through our doors and they're like, oh, that's Rodin. And they may never have the opportunity to travel as far as Paris or even Philadelphia right. to see the, the Rodin Museum there, but we're bringing that here. And that's really important. That's what our job is and our mission is to have these really elevating educational experiences for learners of all ages and backgrounds. And I think these two back-to-back mm -hmm. -back shows have really satisfied that and really exemplified everything that we are trying to do day in and out at the museum. Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't been to the Rodin yet, but tell I'm, me, I'm, tell me when you're I'm coming. gonna do it. I'm yeah. gonna do it. I, I wanna see your reaction I'm to gonna it. do yeah. it, I'm definitely gonna do it. Well, and you were saying uh, during the break that you guys have other things. You have events and lecture series. So tell us about some of those things that are happening because that's that's just even more reasons to come to the museum. Yes, and and even more reasons to become a member of the museum as well. True. You know, I already yes. kind of gave an explanation about why membership is so important for the museum because it does help to you know, keep the lights on. It helps to right. you know employ our staff. You know, we don't want there ever to be an obstacle for someone to come see a high limit show or to see a Rodin show because they can't afford to come in through the door. And so we want to hold on to mm -hmm. being free admission and a Smithsonian affiliate museum with free free admission for as long as right. possible. Um, and membership helps that. But with membership, you get other benefits, too. One, mm -hmm. you're paying it forward, of course, because yeah. you're helping other people be able to enjoy a free museum. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you can take free classes. You can attend our events, our member receptions. We give you a lot of offerings. I mean, members of the public get this opportunity, too, but membership, you get some extra perks, of perk, course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, we pride ourselves on our educational programs, our summer art camps, our fall break camps, our summer break, our spring break camps. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you know, after-school art lessons. We have adult 
adult classes, daytime adult classes, nighttime adult classes. I teach a fundraising uh, art history lecture series. So I um, this is going to be my fifth iteration coming up this fall. Mm. I'll be teaching a course on Rococo to Romanticism, which is one of these wonderful <laughs> eras. I mean, we're talking about everything from the French Revolution mm-hmm. all the way through the middle of the 19th century, these great, great periods of art. And that's a fundraiser for the museum. Um, it's discounted for members of the mm-hmm. museum, but that is really to help us just raise money. I take zero cut of it. It's literally every dollar <laughs> goes to the museum. But it's my opportunity to be you know, the director and curator, but also put on my true professor hat right. for you know adults coming through the museum. Um, we do lots of evening programs. Um, we have first Thursday nights. Every first Thursday of the month, we are open until 8 p.m. Mm. So we want to make sure that either those who want to enjoy the museum for much longer periods or those who maybe can't enjoy the museum during the daytime, they have an opportunity to do so. Um, I always give a curator tour also at 6 p.m. on those first Thursday nights every month. Every second Friday, we do a point of view gallery talk. We bring in somebody who has a particular perspective on mm. these exhibitions on display, and audiences have always been wonderful for that. We've launched a program now called Polk at Night in partnership with the Destroyer Media. And these have been great hits for us. Um, we did our first program back in January. Uh, we did one just last month as well, teasing Rodan near its opening. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna have another one um, on October 27th. And this is an opportunity to have cocktails and you know, mingle mm-hmm. and enjoy the art. And that'll be right before Rodan closes, actually, because mm-hmm. Rodan closes on October 30th. So Polk at night. Um, if you're looking for a fun evening right. in the space of a museum, everyone should put that on their calendars as well. They can visit our website at polkmuseumofart.org to look for tickets for that um we end up you know we have uh, so pocket night we have lecture series we have the classes um we have something going on practically you know every week we are oh we have cinema art historique uh which is a program we launched last year um it's officially sponsored by the department of art history and museum studies mm-hmm. which i'm the chair of so it's kind of it's all these things <laughs> meld together right. um but it's a really fun series it's something i actually wanted to do prior to the affiliation it took a few years for us to launch it and basically it's my dream of showing art history and art related films which think about there's mm. so many and yeah. then screening them for free right. on a saturday night and then having a talk back after and thinking about how those align with the actual art history or the real story of those artists those have been a great success for Very us so cool, far because you do have a little theater in there yeah, a lot of do. people don't know that necessarily yeah, we've got a great little auditorium and those have been a huge success for us um we've done three of those programs so far we did um loving vincent we did who the blank is jackson pollock and we did frida <laughs> coming up in this fall we're about to na- announce our fall program we're going to start with uh two movies though actually about rodan um mm. and actually his mistress camille claudel oh. and it'll be timed really well with the exhibition <laughs> they're so 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 interesting to have this moment where we're watching a movie and of course that kind of brings it into kind of a different realm of the arts right. but then bring it back to the academic side of it so those have been a big hit um and um our people can go to our website as well to look for the first dates on that we'll run our first uh, cinema artist or reek of the new season at the end of september um so we have that program uh we have really a lot going on um yeah. my staff is always <laughs> exhausted and every time we throw something else um into the mix um, they, they're both really excited, but also kind of exhausted yeah. by the idea. And then, of course, we work all year toward Mayfair. Right. Um, Mayfair is our yeah. event. Many people here in Lakeland or the region are not aware that the art festival Mayfair is run right. by the museum. It takes a year to plan each one. Yep. So basically, we stop Mayfair and we start planning the next one. That's crazy. Well, we'll talk more about that when we get back from this last break with Alex. Stick with us. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend, and with me is Alex Rich, Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. 
we have just, it's been a whirlwind. We've said so many things. There's so much to talk about. And I, do, and I don't shut up. Right? <laughs> I was I was taking a nap earlier because Alex just went. He was he was going. Um, so we talked about exhibitions. We talked about events and the lecture series and membership. But um, we do have to talk about the expansion. Yes. So before so plug membership real quick. Tell us you know how you can be yeah. a member and then tell us about uh, expansion. Best thing is to go to our website again, polkmuseumofart.org. Look at all of our membership levels. Membership starts at at fifty. Mm-hmm. for an individual and $80 for family and you can work your way up. We love sure. our we love our members at every single tier where you get <laughs> you know you get free admission to local museums, mm-hmm. you get discounted admission to others, you get admission to Smithsonian affiliate museums, you get free classes, you come to our member receptions. There's so many perks that it pays for itself. Right. I mean you need to only visit like 3 museums and you're basically you've already gone beyond what you've paid for your membership. Right. So please go to our website. Definitely it's all it. supporting the operations of the museum and keeping it free. Right. Um, truly. So onto the expansion yes. though. It's our. I mean, it's a big, big, big deal for us. It's a generational dream for the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, we are 56 years old. Our present building was opened in 1988. And if you've been to our museum, we've we've certainly renovated and mm-hmm. we've souped it up in many ways. New front desk, new sculpture court, new galleries. We've done our renovations. We're still feeling our age at 34 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just, we announced in February uh, that we are doing a major, again, generational expansion. This isn't going to happen often. Um, right. This is a 13,000 square foot expansion onto the existing structure of the museum, which will add a new six gallery and multi-purpose spaces, um, which is just incredible. Um, Even the first four of the expansion more than doubles our main two galleries in the museum right now. Um, So it's going to be truly multi-purpose spaces. What I'm thrilled about is that we're going to be able to showcase much more of our collection. Our museum was built to house 500 objects. Mm. We now have, as I said, about 3,400 objects. So we are all out of space. But also it's a shame to have your permanent collection sitting mostly in storage. Now we can shift with our expansion into showcasing a lot of our actual permanent collection work. And so we'll fill the galleries with permanent collection work. We'll obviously keep doing other you know, temporary exhibitions, but also each of those rooms will be able to be a lecture hall or mm. an event hall. And you know, with a flip of a switch, a screen will come down. And we really want to make it useful for the next 30 years. Um, and if anybody has been able to see, you can go to our website again, you can see the, the the facade mm-hmm. is just incredible. It's as modern as kind of brutalist <laughs> as the original structures, and it's going to echo it so well. And I finally just had my virtual walkthrough the other day. I'm literally getting to see what the interior looked like, and it's just I, I can't tell you. It's just, it's so incredible. It's such a dream for all of us at the museum, a dream for the college as well. And I think it really speaks toward the place of arts in our community, um, both academically and socially and intellectually. That really this is a moment for our our. What I think is our core arts institution here yeah. in the area to grow. And um, I think people will be just thrilled with what they will see. Now, is that going up? Because I haven't seen the, the render. Is it going up? Uh, is and, it, and out? Up uh, and out? So actually, yeah. So if you're familiar <laughs> with the museum, so it'll be it'll be a two-story expansion. So it'll match the actual size of the museum now. But um, the structure itself will basically face out toward the Lakeland Library. Okay. Um, so if you're facing the front of the building, if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you look down to the right towards Child Street. Right. Um, basically, it's where our staff parking yeah. spots are, yeah. um, where my car is typically parked. Um, <laughs> there's going to be a, a building there. Okay. Um, and we are moving forward with it. The fundraising has been wonderful, um, and we really are looking toward you know the you know uh, the possibility of groundbreaking either as early as this fall or mm-hmm. the very start of next year. So it's just it, it's amazing. It's wonderful to be able to be kind of at the helm of an institution right now that has this ability to expand. Um, but it gives us all so many opportunities to give back again to our community and to really raise the caliber of you know Lakeland of Polk County 
of the region, the arts, and raise the caliber of everything we do. Um, so it's I, I couldn't think of anything that's a more tremendous moment for us in the history of the museum than than this. And you're fully operational during the construction phase, right? Yes. Yes. We do not foresee the museum needing to shut down during there. There may be moments mm-hmm. in time where, say, we're replacing the floors. And there's a renovation as well as part of right. Maybe there's that time where we're replacing the floors, but hopefully we can keep other parts of the museum open. Um, our intent is not to shutter at yes. all or noticeably for any, right. you know, for any extended period of time. The idea really is to keep fully operational through the construction project. A timeline on, on your hopeful completion date um, others may know this more than i those oh. you know the contractors and, and, and those I mean, it's all yeah it's, it's but, all but no i mean if anybody's aware of the fact that you know florida southern um has been really really great at building you know buildings for specific areas and disciplines and the buildings go up pretty quickly um really beautiful buildings and so um i don't know what the exact timeline will be i'm hopeful that you know depending on when we break ground um right now we're projecting out which is maybe overly you know estimating mm-hmm. it may be shorter than this i think we're saying spring of 2024 Okay. Um, just that we buy ourselves time. Yeah, um, yeah. I've a f- I, I'm hopeful that the construction will um, certainly be done before then. I mean, we might be looking out toward the end of 2023, but just safely, let's say 2024, yeah. um, which is just around the corner, amazingly. I mean, this has been a really, really rapid discussion about this mm-hmm. expansion, um, at least the recent discussion about it. And it, it's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it will be amazing i just I, I wish i could reveal you know all the plans to everybody but <laughs> but it really will be a cutting edge innovative museum space and um i hope people will now be able to you know, really spend like a whole like half day at the museum mm-hmm. and then go to the frank Lloyd Wright campus and enjoy that and then stay the weekend in lakeland right. it has this opportunity to really be a draw where it's not just popping in for you know an hour to get right. through the museum now even with rodan exhibition you need two hours probably right. but if we have another six galleries mm-hmm. in a whole other building you can make a real day trip and i think that's really important for us regionally as a community Absolutely. for the downtown community as well Absolutely. right it will really i hope invigorate everything we're doing mm-hmm. here and you know give people a reason to stay in lakeland and again we're polk county's museum we're located right. in lakeland but we are the county's museum and i hope that this really underlines the importance of what we're doing for our community and how much we really care about creating the museum that our community and our whole region deserves and this is this this is the moment yeah truly that and you know you've got bonnet springs being Absolutely. constructed and so you know there's just a lot of reasons for folks to come and spend more than an afternoon in yeah. Lakeland and Polk County in exactly. general. It's, there's time, a lot it's to staying see. overnight. I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, heads this and is, beds. exactly. <laughs> no, truly. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, truly the heads and beds concept. Yeah, I mean, we need people to, you know, come to visit us, but also there's a reason to. I mean, right. you could do one day. Not just, charity. No. It's, right. You could do stuff. one day. You could do one day just in our parking lot mm. and go to Florida <laughs> Southern, stay overnight, mm-hmm. enjoy our downtown restaurants and everything, and then go to Bonnet Springs and go out to Buck Tower. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to do, and we hope that we are a good staple in that rationale for coming and staying here in Polk County. Um, right. And it, it's just, it will be this fantastic expansion, certainly, but also a fantastic growth of everything we've inspi- we've been doing and aspiring to do over the past 56 years for the museum. Well, speaking of that, um, we know that Mayfair is is a big deal every year. Yes. And uh, so tell us, you know, what, what goes into putting on a Mayfair. Mayfair is a huge all hands on deck operation every Mother's Day weekend. We just celebrated our 50th Mayfair, That's which right. is incredible that wow. we made through 50 years. Um and we have our next one coming up in 2023, right? We're in 2022 now. So in yeah. 2023, uh, May 13th and 14th, Saturday and Sunday, May 13th and 14th. And um we have our dedicated, you know, Mayfair coordinators, mm-hmm. uh, Joy and Leslie, who spend 
a year planning for the next one. Right. And there's so many moving parts that draw, you know, um, 70,000 people in a great year come to mm-hmm. Mayfair. That's a lot of people. And, you know, dealing with the artists and making sure that, you know, everyone, everything is juried and making sure we have the food trucks and making sure all staff members know what they're responsible for. <laughs> Getting an artist who's the poster artist, making the T-shirts. It's a whole Machine. Machine. Oh, yeah, under, but, and yeah. it's a very smoothly running machine, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. I mean, our deputy director, Pal Powell, is part mm-hmm. of that team as well. And Pal has been in the museum for 30 years. And so we have this great machine running right. that. But, of course, every year we change things up. And, you know, COVID threw us, you know, threw us, you know, yeah. One we had to cancel one year, but then also what is what does Mayfair look like in COVID? People right. still came out. They did. And we loved it. And we have not, you know, and we just keep moving forward and we realize, you know, make little changes here and there. But Mayfair is again, um just like we you know, the museum is a staple of our community. Mayfair is a staple of arts festivals anywhere. And it's right. something that everyone looks forward to every year. And you know, everyone, you know, bake by the lake, everyone right. kind of, you know, everyone <laughs> thinks it's so boiling hot. And yeah, it is, but I think that's part of the fun that of it at this point. Yeah. Um so Mayfair well, is wonderful. And we can't wait for the fifty first Mayfair right. uh, in May of twenty twenty three. We're excited for that. Well thank you, Alex, for being my guest. I want you to come back and tell us every time uh there's a new exhibition, which is about to. what, about th- every three months. About every three months, yeah. But uh definitely check out polkmuseumofart.org to get membership to learn about exhibitions and classes and and all great things happening at the Polk Museum of Art. So again, thank you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Julie.